All right, y'all. It's been a while since we've <laughs> seen you last on the pod. And since then, we had the reason to believe in Nebraska football. We pulled out a win in a game that we all thought we were going to lose going into the season. We all thought we were going to lose going into the fourth quarter against Penn State. That was a fun time. Yes, they're terrible this year, but so were we. It was fun reading the RCFB game thread for that game because both, it was filled with fans of both teams telling the other fan to like not sweat it because you're going to pull this out. And that was hilarious. And the game acted like that. Nebraska won. It was at home. Any thoughts on Penn State at all before we get to the next? I mean, there is just not much to say about two football teams actively trying to lose a football game. Like, it was just, they happened to be the team. You know how sometimes they'll talk to coaches after the game and the coach will be like, we just happened to make one more play. Mm -hmm. Um, As it turns out, Penn State just happened to make one more mistake, really. That is all that it came down to was, like, they had a couple more moments that they didn't convert on. But we still had so many. And so as much as the scoreline made me want to feel like we could feel positive moving forward after Penn State, uh, you know, when I look back, I don't see a lot of real lasting positives that you could pull from that game. I realize we have the benefit of hindsight, Mm -hmm. but, you know, emotionally thrilled over the moon about that game. Yeah. Um, Because if you told me in, you know, 2018 that in 2020 we'd have a, uh, a team that looked like that would beat Michigan or that would beat um, Penn State, and looked like they could beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have thought that was a good thing. But uh, actually, I can't honestly think of a team in any Power 5 conference that I don't think would have a legitimate shot against Penn State and that I don't think could probably beat Michigan. Yes. That's including us. I think if we – this is getting oh. ahead of myself, obviously. If we get thrown into the ninth game with Michigan – it's going to look a lot like that Penn State, and somebody's going to have to do something incredibly stupid to win that game. Yes. But, well, to win that game for the other team. Yes. Someone's exactly. just going to have to make the most colossal screw-up, <laughs> and then you'll have it. Now on to the thing that happened this weekend. <laughs> Lowly Illinois came into town. We're also fresh off their first win of the season against a similarly pathetic Rutgers team. And to quote Bo Pelini, you saw the game. Like, yeah. I don't know what, what really, where to really begin with breaking down that game because everything was so bad. We could talk for hours and hours about everything we did wrong in that game. What I think the interesting conversation is, is this week. Because I think this Iowa game coming up on Friday is the most interesting game of Scott Frost's tenure for me. Because... Really? Okay. Okay. I want to get there. I do think it's important. I imagine that we have people who listen to the pod who, for whatever reason, didn't have time to watch the game. You know, I just want to make sure, can we cover sort of the basics of what happened in that game, Justin? All right. Uh, We got the opening kickoff, threw a backwards pass and fumbled it. Illinois goes up 7-0. We storm back. Then it's like a tie game. Okay, you know, that's good. That was just a fluke. Illinois trash. Should be close. Then it just wasn't close. Illinois ran the ball up and down the field against us. With the success they God, had the that's season. a disgusting phrase to hear. Yes. And it was very true. 
our new quarterback, Luke McCaffrey, the quote-unquote answer after Penn State, played awful. Through three interceptions, horrible fundamentals at the quarterback position. Yeah. He waited too long to throw the ball. He underthrew it way more times than you should feel comfortable if somebody underthrowing anything. And overall, not look ready to start the D1 quarterback. Like, I think every criticism we've had of Adrian, and these were all valid criticisms. Now, a lot of Nebraska fans are kind of think justifiably thinking that he is the better option going into Iowa now of how bad Luke McCaffrey played. What? You want to switch? Okay, okay, we can, we can get into that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's just what happened there. It was, I believe, 41 to 20 is the final score of that game. And what I – do you have any other thoughts before I go into this long, just like long, drawn-out thought? Only to say – only to say that I'm really glad uh, Nebraska has decided to legalize sports gambling – uh, in January, because I woke up and I looked at the spread, which I think was Nebraska by 15 and a half points. Yes. And I was like, holy, I, I, there's no earthly way we're going to win this game by 15 and a half points. I thought we would win because it's Illinois. But, you know, I sat there and said to myself, there's no way we're going to beat that spread. And, uh, and I was right. So I'm very excited to be able to actually put my money where my mouth is. Like, as soon as I saw that spread personally, I thought uh, we're going to probably be up 15 points at one point during the game. Will we finish like that? No, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, never have I so wished we had blown a lead in a game because we just <laughs> – we just didn't have a lead. We were just never there. <laughs> we didn't have one good quarter against Illinois. Yeah. Christ almighty. And the thing that really got to me throughout all of that is that Scott Frost's tenure, you know, this was the first game where I saw him lose control of the team times where it kind of looked like that. Michigan, uh, his freshman year, his coach for Nebraska, um, and Adrian's freshman year, but Adrian was hurt that game. You were on the road, full stadium, top five team. Full stadium in the big house, right? Yeah. Like That's a little bit more understandable. Yes. And Minnesota last year, again, backup quarterback against a team that would finish in the top ten, and the road yeah so both of those times where like we were there was an insurmountable lead basically and we just wanted to just run the clock out the second half and get out of there no real urgency to try to tie it up like obviously you'd rather see effort there have been got frost blowouts i think ohio state this year was a good example of we did show effort we just weren't good enough and mm-hmm. I did not see that at all against Illinois. Like, this was an Illinois team. We were down 14 points in the fourth quarter against last year. We came back and won that game in regulation. Being down 24 in the second quarter should not be the end of the world against this team. Right. Should it be? And yet the players looked like it was. The hands on the hips, slow to get in position. And as soon as... The second half started was a bit better, I guess. Then they did that fake punt, and we just stopped tearing all over again. God, what the hell was that fake punt? If you want one play that really just sums up the entire show for me, it was that fake punt. God almighty. How do you you let that happen? I have no idea. Plus, leave Roger Sherman... uh, formerly of SB Nation, currently on, I think, The Ringer on Twitter. Last Illinois game, the Illinois-Rutgers game, Rutgers did the exact same thing. They left nobody near the line of scrimmage. 
and just it was a wide open first down for their punter to run to. Punter looked like he was going to run it, but ultimately just decided to put it away because he was too scared. How we watched game film from Rutgers didn't say, hey, let's have at least one guy there who he doesn't run it is beyond me. Because yep. you have to think when Illinois breaks down that film, you're going to say, hey, punter, if that ever happens again, run it. They made an adjustment, and we just didn't do that. And that's what's even especially frustrating on an already frustrating play. Right. Yeah, it was just – to me, it was emblematic of our inability to, like, set our players up for success with good coaching, even if we had players that could clearly execute. Does that make sense? Or am I talking out of my butt here? I guess a little bit, but, I mean – I saw it more as, like, um, as soon as we got down, we just had, like, no motivation to get back. And, like... Oh, really? I mean, like... Uh, huh. Just, yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I'm surprised to hear you say it so outright, I guess. Which, I appreciate your straightforwardness, but I guess I'm trying to understand, like, do you think this team gave up on that game? Do you think this team's giving up on the season? Where are you at with that? That's a good question. That's why I think this is the most intriguing um, game, possibly Scott Frost's tenure, because he lost the team against Illinois. It's on him to get it back for the game against Iowa. Because if you can't get your team nom your team hyped for a rivalry game on a short week, that's on you as a coach. You might have lost the team completely, which is the one thing I don't think Scott Frost can have. Because, But, Justin, they're growing mustaches. <laughs> I don't even knew this. They're growing mustaches. Like there's some, you know, like D2 high school team who thinks that's cool. There was no problem with the culture. There was only lack of mustaches. Uh, for those who haven't seen, the team has decided to grow mustaches for Iowa Week. So that that's an important adjustment we've made. I'm not sure how. Did you see about Very this? Important. Like, I I don't know if they need to get these boys some media training or what, but like coming out after that kind of a loss and being cutesy during a during a Q&A with reporters. Probably not the move. Oh, I said the word. I apologize. Justin's going to have to bleep that out. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't reached it, with just with our level of frustration with this team. Yeah. Gone. Like, get the, you know, you, you don't want to be all doom and gloom at a press conference. Like, it's fine to lighten the mood here, here and there, but, you know, Nebraska's taught us, like, one thing. It's that we're, like, we're unaware of our public perception of just, like, how much of a laughingstock we are, and we lean into that way more than I think we want to intend to do, you know? Right. Like, we make it so easy for people to dunk on us. It's like... Incredible. Yeah, I think it's gotten particularly bad this year. Just like the full, full-on lack of self-awareness is uh, is not ideal. Yes, losing the team this early, early for Scott Frost because still half the season left to play. Like when right. Mike Riley lost the team and sealed his fate as Nebraska's head coach, um, there was nothing left to play for after like two games of that because clearly we weren't making a bowl game by like the halfway point of the season. So only thing that could keep the juices uh, flowing in the team would be to uh, would, be, would be coaching. Just say, hey, let's have stuff we can build on for next year when I'm back as head coach and we'll do things differently. Things will change. We'll be a better team. 
you have to do that improvement at the end of this season, you know, to get me around so I can build the culture where that doesn't happen again. Right. For us starting that spiral like now, and Iowa is going to be the game for me to see if he can get out of it or not. Because I because before the season, we agreed that if we had an underwhelming year, uh, Ross would probably get a pass from the administration. In the lesser case, the fan base, because it's a pandemic year, things are weird. You don't have your sure. conference games. You don't have your full slate of practices. If the team has as many freshmen expected to contribute immediately as we do, that can be a problem. So it's just not the fact that we lost to Illinois. It's that you lost the team against Illinois. That's the one thing in this I didn't think was even possible for Scott Frost to do during the pandemic year, during the year where I would be most forgiving of him. You just can't lose the team. Yeah. I'm, I think it's a bad look at all, and I, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to fire somebody during a pandemic unless he completely loses the team. We lose every game from here on out, like 20 or 30 points. Whole half of the season like that, the team just looks like they did against Illinois, not caring, you know? Yeah. There is truly no other choice at that point than, like, if you lose the team like that, you're never going to get them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's real bad, kids. It's real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, football's supposed to be fun, man. This sucks. I know, God. The Big Ten had it right. We we didn't need to play this fall. Yeah, no kidding. It is a little bit particularly painful that we fought so hard to play football, and now we just can't play football to save our lives. That's that's no fun. No. Like, it's at the end of the day, I'm still happy we have a season. Like, experience is experience for this team. Like, Well, uh, see, here's, here's my real question that I wanted to come in and ask you. Okay. Do I write off the week? Do I write off the rest of the month? Do I write off the rest of the season? Do I write off this year and next year? Do I write off until we have a new coach? When can I conscionably allow myself to be emotionally invested in Husker football again? Because it sure seems like it's not right now. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. But like I, like I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, this game against Iowa, like if it's close at the end there, I think a lot of Husker fans are going to get really invested in it. Like, I know why. Well, like, uh, sure, sure, but it's not going to be close at the end, right? Right. I mean, Let's be reasonable. Probably not, but it could be. You know, like ah, uh, don't don't pull your. Slipitka optimism magic with me, sir. I know you too well for this. It's a weird year, okay? I mean, that's fair. Like, we've, I'm not putting anything out of the question, like, all at this point. Yeah, I was looked a heck of a lot better than we have these past few games. No, no doubts about that. I just, but just one, like, the game with no fans on the road, rivalry week. Rivalry game weirdness would surprise me, but it wouldn't shock me if we play Iowa close again. Because last year, you know, we had a terrible second half of the season. We still played Iowa close. That's true. I guess that, like, the whole rivalry game thing we have going for us, I just, you know, we had defensive answers last fall, right? We had 
some semblance of offensive creativity and understanding. I just don't see that from us on either side of the ball this year. I mean, you look, you look defensively, and we're, we're like on our way to adequate, I think. I'm, I'm much less frustrated with, with the defense. And I also think I'm more forgiving of it because Frost is an offensive coach that was brought in to work on the offense, right? But you look at the offense, and we've got a center who's not improving at the rate you need him to be, to be a D1 center that you move him around from a different position. We've got two quarterbacks that aren't really quarterbacks, right? Like, here, here's the hottest take I'm going to drop today. Nebraska should only run the Wildcat with both Luke and Adrian on the field. Because it is stupid. It is stupid when we have that much athletic prowess on the field tied up in quarterbacks who can't throw the ball. But it is doubly stupid when we're not willing to use them both because we're going to acquiesce to some convention that there needs to be a starting quarterback. Who gives a rats? They both suck, and we're hoping that new kid's better and can actually throw a football. We've been looking for a savior at quarterback for the last decade and a half. I mean. Well, we found them. We have found good quarterback. Taylor Martinez was a good quarterback. But and that's not the silver bullet. Injury. What's that? Wasn't the same after his injury. No, he never won anything meaningful. Which brings me to my next point. Name me one skill player other than number one that actually, like, you know what the Big Ten needs? The Big Ten needs a wins over replacement stat. Right? Name me one proven skill player that has wins over replacement from just the average Big Ten player at that position. We have no playmakers other than Rondale Robinson. What? I'm with you, but we also, here's my question if, is there a reason we won't play these guys? Because there must be. My hope is that. It's just that they're freshmen. They don't know the playbook as well. But even, wouldn't you rather send out a guy who doesn't know the playbook? And also, wouldn't you be hell-bent on leather to get those guys to know the playbook? There, there are answers to those questions, right? But it's, I don't even know what the hell week it is in this jacked-up COVID year. But it's pretty deep into the damn season now, and we're still not seeing these guys on the field. To me, that makes me wonder if it's not all a, a, a frosty and bluff. Like, Are these guys as good in this scheme as Scott Frost wants us to believe they are? See potential though when they're out there. Marcus Fleming had like four catches for 76 yards against Northwestern and hasn't seen the field these next two weeks. Next two yeah, so what the hell is going on there? I don't know. I don't have the answer for that, but I'm like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to get testy with you. No, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Frost. Like, I don't think talent's problem on offense. I think, at the very least, we should pay these guys to at least know what we have in them. I mean... Right, and to get them reps and experience. Yeah. Like, I, I see no upside in not playing these guys. Not. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I see no upside in not playing these guys. Maybe you don't want them to get hurt in a year that you've already written off. Yeah. I don't know. When we texted a whole pod back and forth to one another, you brought up a very interesting point to me, um, which is that um, you think Scott feels like he's safe. I mean, that's interesting to me because I feel like most D1 coaches 
in Scott's position would not feel safe right now. So can you elaborate? Yeah. Um, Bill Moose has always said Scott's going to get five years before he's judged. I mean, whether that's true or not, you can debate amongst yourself. That's always been the message he sent out there. And what I've seen from Scott Frost, it's just that I think Frost is building for that five year. Like right now, our offensive line, it's too small to compete in the Big Ten. When you look at our offensive line recruits, and he's recruiting bigger offensive linemen. Like, we didn't have enough flashy skill players on offense to make things work. That's who he's going after in recruiting. He's not playing them, and that's frustrating. Just in the sense that he knows what he's doing isn't working, and he's at least somewhat trying to change that for recruiting doesn't absolve him of all his flaws as a coach so far. It doesn't absolve him of losing the team. But I think that's something that he can go to Bill Moose with and say, like, you know what? Like, this is why I'm going to turn it around. Like, this is why you need to give me these five years because I need to make this adjustment. And I think Moose, like, Frost is Moose's guy. Yeah, I said that right. And uh, for Bill Moose, um, I think if Frost gets fired, he has to go too because that was his, you know, big achievement as Nebraska athletic director was bringing in the pick of the litter from the college football coaching pool, giving him an absurd amount of money to come and coach this team, being so sure he will turn it around. If mm-hmm. Frost doesn't turn it around, that falls on Moose too. So I don't think Moose will prematurely fire him at all unless they're – like serious like doubt of like the sellout streak in jeopardy or like if we go one and eight this year with like every loss being a blowout. You know stuff like that I think could change his mind. As it stands right now, Frost's job is very safe, I think. Don't you think it's totally possible we do go one and eight with every loss being a blowout from here on out? Possible, yes, but I don't think they're thinking like that because I don't think they want to think like that. Like Frost has gotten the benefit of the doubt so many times when it, especially when it comes to this administration and Nebraska fans in general, that I think they know that's a possibility, but they're not going to act like that's a certainty at all. They're going, they're going to believe in him, and they know him better than I know him. Got Frost, and mm-hmm. like he's their representative of the football team for better or for worse. So Frost is there representing the football team saying that was a bad week. Bad week of practice, a lot of da 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 players didn't play good, a lot of da da da. What no, my play calling is not bad. It was just execution, blah blah blah. I think, you know, they're inclined to believe that. Because wouldn't you have a lot more respect if he was like, no, I'm sorry, that was bad play calling. I'll admit that. Yeah, he'll look inward, but never about the play calling. Right. I I don't know why that's such a point of pride for him. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you have any armchair psychology on that, but it just seems weird. It is. Like, he'll say that was on me for not getting them motivated or not getting them ready, but he'll never, you know, apologize for running too many screen passes for like never throwing the ball deep like which is something that i think is easier for other coaches to do than the other things i don't know it's very strange yes um yeah oh lord um i don't even know yeah I, so, like, and plus, even if we do go one and eight, all the like, remaining games blowouts, I still think the pandemic gives him some room because, you know, Michigan sucks this year. Penn State sucks this year. There's a, a lot of teams that just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. 
And do we know it's because of the pandemic? No. Do we not know that's because of the pandemic? Also no. Like, we have no idea what this year will look like in the future when it relates to sports. Like, Miami Heat could have a first-round exit this year. Like, I don't think that will be the case, but it wouldn't surprise me if the whole bubble thing was just a fluke because, you know, these aren't normal circumstances, so normal results won't happen, you know? I think that's the right for football, too. And do you have anything on that? Because I have another point that has to do with this. No, keep it, keep it rolling. All right, and if you do fire him this year. Ooh, we're there already. Damn. If, if you do, the, the coaching pool of who to replace him with is dry as heck. And if you do want to get an up-and-comer, chances are their best year was a pandemic year. There's no guarantee that that, that, that success will be sustainable at all. Like, we hired a coach who had one good season at UCF in a normal year where he beat some quality opponents was legitimately one of the best teams in the country that year. And that went poorly. As well. That's not going so hot right now. So get that, like, coaching hiring is not an exact science. Like, what doesn't work once won't always not work. Would you feel comfortable at all if Frost is gone and you have to pick his replacement and your nominees are, like, a guy at Coastal Carolina doesn't have a winning record until a pandemic? Like, Five other coaches like that. Unless you want to like coach a coordinator from somewhere, then I don't know what you do because I think you want to poach a coordinator next time, though. I think you've done a whole lot of the whole like, can we have a pre-existing head coach work here? I think you've seen that that doesn't work, and I think I'm more comfortable just saying, hey. What the hell? Let's uh, let's cut our losses on this whole deal and uh, and pick a coordinator and let him build his own culture here. But Does that make more sense? Like that's what I would do if I were working for a coach now too. But I don't think that's the answer to do that right now, um, unless something you know really bad happens the rest of the way. And like it's one and eight with everything else is a blowout and the players just don't want to play for Scott Frost anymore, then I would say, yeah, you have to go. How unlikely does that seem to you? How unlikely does it seem that the players would come out and be like, hey, we don't have faith in this guy. Or even privately go to Moose and be like, please don't make us play for this guy. I don't see it ever happening publicly with like Frost core group, but you had players during the game at halftime, uh, Two freshmen, uh, Ronald Delancey III, a freshman defensive back. Uh, let me pull this up real quick so I don't misquote either of these young men. And a uh, freshman linebacker, Jamari Butler. Here we go. Ronald Delancey III, at halftime, tweeted, we, we're supposed to be way, way better than this as a team. We're wasting talent. And Jamari Butler, a freshman linebacker, replied saying, no cap, play the people you recruited. <laughs> Change that damn. shit. You're not supposed to lose to no damn Illinois. <laughs> could that just be players salty they're not getting playing time? Yeah. Or could that be players like saying, this isn't what we signed up for. Like, Ross doesn't have it, you know? So I think it might be possible that he's he is losing the team. Like, I think that he has like the seniors, he has the juniors, but it's the future of the program. Those freshmen, those sophomores, see him like that. I really should have the most faith in him. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. But this I think is a more realistic option if that happens. I think the whole disaster scenario happens, or even if we go like win another game but aren't competitive in the other ones, or we lose close ones from here on out, whatever. Um, 
like we're paying Frost a lot of money for a long time to fire him this early. So we have so, not flinched at that before. Yeah, but that eventually has, we're gonna run out of money if we keep on doing that. Like this is not sustainable and it's not sustainable. We are the University of Nebraska Lincoln. We can always cut another department. Do I am not joking. This is the most important thing to the school that the school does. It, it, should it be no? No. But is it realistically that? Yes. So are they realistically going to flip it? No. If the problem with the football team is more money, then there's no problem. Isn't firing coaches prematurely part of what got us into this mess to begin with? Like, yeah, do you expect us to learn from our mistakes? Yes. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I sure don't. Absolutely certain that Frost isn't the answer before you fire him. And if the pandemic season is the cause of that uncertainty, you wait for a normal season, and he coaches for his job then. Like, I think that's what's more likely to happen than just straight up getting canned at the end of the year. And another scenario I've thought of is clean house except for Frost in the coaching staff. New coordinators, new position coaches, all of that. But doesn't Frost who, love his boys? Isn't that going to piss Frost off? It should. Like, your boys aren't getting anything done. There's nothing – year three pandemic and all is objectively better than it was when you started the defense is far worse the offense still has no consistency at all i, I think you clean you clean house and you hire coordinators or on the up and up you could you could very well audition for head coach as an interim role and frost underwhelms again i think that would be an excellent way to put pressure on Scott Frost of, hey, either get this done or your job is going to be gone fast. And mm -hmm. that's the way you do it without firing him during a pandemic. I think that that's sort of the two things I'm at right now is like either like you, like you have doubt about this year so you don't fire him because you're not absolutely certain yet. Or you like clean house and say, hey, you're coaching for your job this next year. Which I think he might actually be anyways, even if they don't clean house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's intriguing. Uh, it would be gutsy for sure. It would make a lot of people pretty upset, I think. Um, would it yeah. like, are, well, are we I, that attached to our assistant coaches? No, no, no. I don't think it would make fans upset. Oh, I do. However, think it would make, um, other coaches more hesitant to come here in the future. Aren't they not already hesitant? Like, sure. But now on top of everything, Nebraska is willing to just sweep the rug out from under you if they want to. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, that's the thing I've been thinking about, too, is that like, the, the whole, like, Scott Frost is the only person who could turn this program around thing. It's obviously a lie, but I do think that if Scott Frost, you know, I guess, like, if he can't do it, nobody can think. There is a truth to that in that he's going to be, if he can't do it, then no big-name coach will ever try to do it again here. There's just no incentive to do it. Right. Like, the big fish in the pond, I guess, this year for coaching searches would be Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, who's had consistent success in the American. I'm not so sure we're the better job at the moment. Unless, straight up. I'm not so sure being at Nebraska. Is a better job than being a good coach in the American? After six years of failure, like after the, uh, hey, you know, we're not going to, like, however, many, however much time you think you need, 
you're only going to get like half of that at most before the fan base turns on you. Like, we don't have reason to turn on Frost, but like, and even if you go nine and four, still not good enough. Like, you, you need to be a championship, you need to build a championship team within three years or four years, or else fans are going to call for your head. Like, how is that appealing to somebody? Yeah. Like, I'm, there are people who it will appeal to, but when you, if you're Luke Fickle and you have, you're the big fish and you could get any coaching vacancy you want, Michigan or Penn State or South Carolina even, those are going to be ahead of Nebraska because you look at that thing, you'll look at Nebraska, you'll be like, hey, it's hard as hell to recruit there. The other places don't have that problem. B, you know, I don't think I think that's too tough of a rebuild to accomplish in the amount of time they want me to accomplish it in. So I think you, know, you have to get creative now when you're hiring coaches. I think Frost, especially if we fire him after year three or even I guess year four, will show that you know. This is not a place where premier coaching talent comes anymore. We're, we're just not, you know, I don't think it's not like to the point of humorism where it's like this team will never be anything remotely good again. We'll just be at Kansas for eternity. I'm not there yet. Like if you are there as a fan, like side note, uh, you, you should not want Frost fired. Yeah. I think that if you're there as a fan right now, like, Frost is your best bet out of it, right? Or not, if not Frost, waiting on Frost. Yes, because that's what teams like Kansas do. They hire a coach and they stick with them until it becomes physically unbearable anymore. The coach just doesn't want, like, coach there anymore. Like, like that's why Oregon State stuck with Mike Riley for so long. They knew they weren't going to get any better. They had a guy who their fan base liked as head coach. Like, they liked him as a guy. Oscar fans, through his playing days, you know, through the nostalgia that he got when he was hired and just the sheer hope, like, they're still riding the high off of. It is truly an impossible task to win here. Ross should be the coach for all eternity because he's just the guy people like, you know? So either you believe that there is a way out of this rut or you want Scott Frost to be coach. Yeah, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's much more likely that if we do become a Kansas, we just keep trading out coaches forever and ever. But because I think there's a section of the fan base that is just going to get so pissed Anytime we don't have massive victories to speak of, that it's it's almost useless for other coaches to. I I don't know. It doesn't look good. No. It does not look good. Not at all. Um. So the Iowa game. What are our keys to to? To not dying. Don't do anything we did last game. That's literally it. Fair enough. Like, there were no positives at all. Any facet of the game. There was no pass rush. There was no run defense. The angles were poor. Defenders, the defensive backs still don't turn around when the ball is in the air. You know, I guess we did force three fumbles that Illinois did get very lucky to fall on all three of them. Like, if, if that happened again, they, they wouldn't get all three of them. That was just pure statistical improbabilities just falling in their lap. Not that it would have changed the result, but, you know. Yeah, but even, even if we had gotten those fumbles, we wouldn't have gotten down the field to score, right? Well, yeah, like the first fumble was in the red zone. We wouldn't have touched down that drive. The second fumble would have put us in the red zone. We would have likely gotten a field goal. And then third fumble, I 
I know there was one. I just forget what one it was because ah, that game. Yeah, it was. It was just. It was the least fun I've had watching football in a long time. Exactly. It reminds me of like Lincoln or Riley or like. And this is a pointless exercise to watch this game. It's yep. They don't care. Why should I? Like, but this is a rivalry game, so at least just play with intensity. Like, always believe that you can win this game because I would like the entire Big Ten outside of Ohio State and Indiana this year, and then guess. Western and Wisconsin, if you're a believer in them, it's inconsistent as all hell. I don't. I'm not so sure there was a good team outside of those four. And are we like one of the worst bad teams there? Yeah, a really bad bad team can beat just the plain bad team. I think that's something we need to realize out there is that this game is never over. A couple of stupid mistakes from them, we can be right there in it because. We've already lost the game because an opponent gave it to us. You know, you have to be aware that that's a possibility from here on out of that's how we can win games here in the Big Ten. And that's a reason to always stay into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, we'll get there. I'm confident that we'll get there as a team eventually. I feel like you know I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. Like, I don't know if that means just getting back to 9-3 and three for eternity. I think that's probably the most likely outcome. I'd like to see us win a conference championship in my lifetime. And I'm a young man, but I don't know that we will. I think we're going to lose to Iowa this week. Uh, that's not a surprise, but I think it's going to be embarrassing. Like, I think it's just going to be painful. I think most Nebraskans will turn it off after a quarter or two. I think Scott, that will be Scott's saving grace. Scott, at this point in the season, probably prefers apathy. You know, the next thing he needs to do is get people excited about next year at this point. Which I think will be easy to do if, again, if this year is any indication, next year is going to be even more impossible to predict just as a world. But yeah, if there is a chance that fans can safely come back into the stadium and the conference allows us to do so, that's just going to be enough hype for Husker fans to get excited for the season again. If there is a possibility that we can have our full schedule, non-conference games and all, that will be enough to get Husker fans back into it, this being a normal season again. If this starts on time, I think that will be enough to get them back into it. But even if it's just pure apathy from here on out, because like big of a sports fans as we are, we both acknowledge that it's not the same this year. It's just not like, even if we were really good, wouldn't feel the same as if it like that in the normal season. So, yeah, I think just a normal season would be enough to get Husker fans really invested again because it's very easy to tune out of sports in 2020. Like, mm-hmm. ratings are down not just for sports, for everything consistently, except for, like, Netflix, but that's Netflix, you know? like. Right. If people aren't interested in the sport, they're not going to watch this year because there are no fans. There's no way of knowing if these are really good teams or not or just flukes. And, you know, like, I, I believe they will rebound next season. I have no reason to not believe that unless that unless they're, they have to do this year again for whatever reason that may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all I had. Unless you have anything else, are we do are we doing any other blocks today? Oh no, I didn't have anything else prepared. It's just Iowa Hate Week episode, I guess. Oh yeah, uh, Iowa Hate Week. Let's let's say some things we hate about Iowa before we go. Oh, oh man, I hate Iowa. 
God, Iowa's the worst. What do you hate most about Iowa? Just the sheer, like, useless waste of space it is on the map of the United States. Like, just extend Minnesota. There is no reason for it to have an Iowa. You know? Mm-hmm. Southern Minnesota University would be much more tolerable to me. Exactly. I think we could, we could be friendly rivals with them, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're a small little Midwestern state, and we're a small little Midwestern state, we grow corn and y'all grow corn. And for some reason, you think you're better than us? For what? What we do? Huh? Right. Iowa will never be better than Nebraska anything. Except for football most years. The whole state of Iowa? No. I can't. Iowa fans are the worst. Were you there in the stadium last year? When, what? uh, what's that? Yes. What did, were we together? Did you walk out with me? No, I was, uh, with my other friend. Um, That's right. That's right. Did I tell you about that guy though? Yes. The guy who harassed him twice now. What's that? We've mentioned him on the pod, I think at least twice now. Okay. Then I, I won't regale everyone with that story again but he's the yeah. scum of the earth and the fact that this weekend's going to make him happy makes me sad mm-hmm. like Absolutely. if we beat iowa i'm just gonna think of that guy's face and smile <laughs> which is gonna be hard because he's pretty ugly but um oh man i hate these people i hate these people they yeah. were so shitty when they came to our stadium yeah, man. Uh, like beyond just the, uh, it, we're, two, we're two very similar states. Makes sense that we think our one's the better one, even though there's honestly no real difference between a piece of land. But like, Iowa fans are just so bad that it makes that like random hate you have for your next door neighbor state feel a lot more justified. For sure. For sure. All right, ma'am. Is there anything else I can do for you? Is that a pod? That's a pod. Hope that we have something more positive to talk about next time, because if we do the same thing against Iowa, woo lord, you ain't seen a depressing pod until you've seen that one. Yeah, this is this is really just an appetizer.